0: Welcome to our Sunday Sermon Podcast with City Harvest AG Church. Wherever you are in life, we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Here at City Harvest, we believe in the undiluted Word of God, and the teachings here will enhance your understanding of the Scripture and will help you grow and mature as a Christian. So we hope and pray that you will be blessed by this sermon. Today's sermon is brought to us by Pastor Shine Thomas. One word that defines our culture than any other word today is the word information. We have been bombarded with information through the internet all day and night. 24 by 7, we are hearing the voices of the internet, either through a WhatsApp or a YouTube video or something in the Facebook or Instagram. We are constantly bombarded with the words voice and the words of this world through the medium of internet. And then we have other people around us. We have people like Jezebel who wants to take away our peace and those voices discourage us, put us into fear and enable us to lose hope in our lives. In the midst of all this plenty of voices that we hear in this world, there is a sweet whisper that we miss out. And that is the whisper of the Holy Spirit. God is constantly seeking to communicate to us. The question is, are we available when God speaks to us? In the book of 1 Samuel, we found that when God was speaking to Samuel, he could not decipher the voice of God for the first three times. But at the fourth time, we found that young Samuel heard the voice of the Lord and he responded to the voice of the Lord. Are we tuning ourselves away from the distractions of this world, away from what our friends have to say to us, away from the internet to listen to the voice of the message of the Lord? This morning I've titled my message, Whose Voice Are You Listening To? We are going to look at King Saul and the cost he had to pay because he listened to the wrong voice. The cost he had to pay because of disobedience to God in his life. Open your Bibles with me to First Samuel chapter 15. In First Samuel chapter 9, Samuel anoints Saul as the first king of Israel. But the time you come to 1 Samuel chapter 15, in a short span of time, Samuel is dethroned by God and he's telling, I regret that I made you king and I'm going to take your position of king. And tear your kingdom apart and give it to your neighbor. Let's see what happened in this context. First Samuel chapter 15 and this verse 1. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. So in chapter 15 and this verse 1, the Lord has a voice through Samuel for Saul to hear. Listen Now to the message from the Lord. The original Hebrew translates this by saying, listen now to the voice of the message of the Lord. Very clearly God has spoken to Saul. You have the voice of God. And that voice is a message from God that I don't want you to miss. And when you read this chapter, you will find the voice of God and the other voices coming out so beautifully and giving us an understanding What does the voice of the Lord do in our lives? And what does the other voices do in our lives? Come to chapter 15 and this verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they wailed them as they came up from Egypt. From this passage, we understand that the Lord has authority over King Saul and he has a mandate for King Saul and the Lord also has authority over the Amalekites. The Lord is Lord of all. He has got authority over the Jews as well as the Gentiles in the Old Testament. And here, God is giving a mandate. The voice of the Lord is to destroy the Amalekites completely out of the planet earth. Is God such a cruel God? Does God take pleasure in taking and wiping out a nation completely out? I don't think that is the real nature of God. But sometimes man's sin and man's wickedness moves God to act in such a way. It is not God's nature. But sometimes when they cross the line, after a lot of chances given by God, God takes a decision. Enough is enough. I'm going to wipe out this nation completely out of the land. So what is the history of the Amalekites? If we need to know the history of the Amalekites, we need to go back to Exodus. Uh, And by the time the children of Israel were coming out, Of Egypt. Back centuries behind from the time of Saul and Samuel, the Amalekites were waiting and pouncing upon the weak Israelites who were lagging behind in the camp and they ambushed and they attacked them. Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 onwards. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. And look at the term he's given to those Amalekites. They had no fear of God. They had no fear of God. When the Lord your God, verse 19, gives you rest from all the enemies Around you in the land is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Come down to verse 19. You shall bloat out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. So in other words, Amalekites are described as people who had no fear of God. And God is promising them that through Moses, that when you come to the promised land, you destroy the Amalekites completely. So coming back from the context to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and this verse 18. What happens between the time of Exodus when Amalekites defeated or fought against Israelites centuries ahead in the time of King Saul. Come to 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 18. And he sent you on a mission. Samuel is telling Saul, saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people. So by the time the people of Amalekites in the time of Exodus God describes them in the Bible as the people who had no fear for the Lord. By the time you come to 1 Samuel, the time of Samuel and and Saul, these people have become wicked. That means they have grown in their wickedness. They have grown in their evil. God had been waiting that they will repent. They will repent. They will repent. But instead, these people, after giving multiple chances, they have been growing in their evil and growing in their wickedness. And God said, Enough is enough. I'm going to destroy them. See, see, they moved the hand of God to act in such a way. They have known as wicked. People who do not fear the Lord. Come back to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and this verse 3. Look at what God is speaking to Saul. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkey. Look at God's decree. The first point in this message is decree. Very clear command, very clear decree, without any doubt, God has spoken to them multiple times. Go and destroy them completely. And God is categorizing two kinds of people and two kinds of animals to tell that the totality of God's decree and God's mandate from the biggest king, man, woman, child, and infant. Don't spare anybody, every human being. And for the cattle, God is categorizing and telling them that the domestic animals as well as the transportation animals. The cattle and sheep, camel and donkey. He is not giving any room for misunderstanding his mandate or his command to destroy the Amalekites. Very clear mandate and he has named it out. Very clear specifications have been given. The decree leaves no room for misunderstanding. It leaves no room for question as to what exactly God wanted Saul to do. Come to verse four. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. This is a huge army, enormous army. God is on their side, on their side, and God has given them this mandate to go and attack. That means victory is very certain. This is to be a cakewalk victory over the enemies of Israel. Verse 7 and 8, what happened? Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Caution. Something he did which God did not ask him to do. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed, With the sword. So this is partial obedience. Does he obey the Lord? Yes, Lord, I have obeyed. But did he fully obey the Lord? He has not fully obeyed the Lord. As expected, Saul defeats the Amalekites. He captures Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Why? If Agag is tied up and brought in his processions, it is a POW, prisoner of war. It gives satisfaction to Saul. Pride to Saul. He was feeding on his pride. He did not want to obey God. Verse 9. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, and everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Look at God's list and Saul's list. God's list consisted of everybody—man, woman, children, infants—all types of cattle. Saul has bifurcated into two categories: all that was good, he spared; all that was despised, all the people and all the cattle that was despised, he destroyed. But all that was good, so he had two categories: good and not good. Good, he kept disobeying God; not good. He just destroyed. Direct disobedience. Diametrically opposed to God. Working in the name of God. To God's do not spare. Saul said, I will spare the goods. Saul spares Agag and the best of the animals. Chapter 15, verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. Again, the word of the Lord. This is the time the book of Samuel is using the word of the Lord in a verb. It is action. God is now risen up against Saul. And he is coming to act against Saul. The word of the Lord is coming. This is serious. God is not pleased. The word of Lord has come and Saul is in trouble. And what does God speak? Verse 11. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. God is regretful. The question we need to ask is, is God regretful of me? Is God regretful of my promotion? Is God regretful that I gave that gadget in your hand And the kind of things that I do with my gadget. Is God regretful? God is regretful over Saul. Saul's sin has brought God to the point of regret. And Saul's sin has brought Samuel to the point of anger and sorrow. Next verse, verse 12. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. What was Saul doing all this time after the victory of the battle? When God gives victory to an Israelite king in the battle, one of the first things that they do is to come back to the land and offer thanksgiving sacrifices to the Lord for giving them the victory, give all the glory and the thanksgiving to God. Not Saul. He was caught up in his own pride. He was caught up in his own ego. When Samuel went to see Saul, he was not in his usual place. He had gone somewhere else to erect a monument, a statue, a picture of him in the prime place so that everybody will know here is Saul the great, the Aga killer. Saul the proud man. His achievement, this promotion is his achievement. The money that he got is his achievement. He was puffed up with pride and position and he erected a monument. He is completely oblivious to his disobedience. He could not have waited. Could he have waited until he worshipped the Lord? No, he did not worship the Lord. He didn't even have time to wait for the Lord. He wanted to worship himself. I am great, the Saul. I am first. My preference comes first. I am agar catcher, the Amalekite killer. I am the greatest. I am the best. Verse 13. When Samuel reached Saul, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instruction. Look at Saul. Where is he now? Is he obeying the Lord? No. Is he in right standing with God? No. Absolute disobedience, pride, ego. But look at the vocabulary that is coming out of his mouth. Praise the Lord, brother. What an amazing time of worship. But where is his life? In absolute disobedience. Christian vocabulary, but no Christian living. Praise the Lord. Saul said, Lord bless you. The Christian jargons, the vocabulary is coming perfect. But Saul's heart is in the wrong place. Big danger for 21st century Christianity. We can be all out externally for God, even using our mouth, but our heart may be in the wrong place because of indwelling sin and disobedience in our lives. And that was Saul over there. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instruction. I am doing God's will completely opposed to God's agenda was a man called Saul. What is it? Decree of the Lord. The second point, defiance or disobedience. Saul is in trouble. Not only does he think he can disobey, now he thinks he can get away with it. Oh, I will do this sin, it's okay. I can get away with it, no problem. God is by my side. I am serving the Lord of Israel All the priests are doing sacrifices. It's okay. I can take it for granted. My dad and mom are in ministry. So that thing will cover me. My parents are prayerful. So I will be covered. So I can live the way I want. Saul took things for granted. He thinks that he can get away with it. But God sees, God hears, and God acts. Verse 14. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of the cattle that I hear? Samuel said, Saul, if you have obeyed the Lord, what is the voice that I'm hearing? I'm hearing sheep, I'm hearing cattle and the Lord had told you not to bring them when you go and attack the Amalekites. What happened to Saul? Chapter 15, verse one, warning to Saul, Listen to the message of your Lord. He was supposed to listen to the voice of the message of the Lord. And what happened? Yes, Lord, I want to listen to your voice. And Saul went for battle. In the midst of the battle, he is hearing various voices. The voice of the camels and the voice of the army, the voice of the horses. And he also got lost in the voice of the world and the riches of this world. And he failed to decipher the voice of the Lord. In the midst of that battle, he heard the wrong voice. His eyes went to the wrong direction and he missed up the point that God had given to him. God had warned him listen to the voice of the message of the Lord but when he went in the midst of the battle he heard the voice of the world and Samuel is confronting Saul what was the voice that you were listening to in the battle what is the voice that I am hearing now wrong voices can misguide us dear friends what are the voices that you're hearing the voices of the internet Anything we want, we just Google it. Is Google the voice that you're hearing? Is the comments on your WhatsApp the voices that are enabling you to follow? Is your friend's voice that you're hearing on a day-to-day basis the wrong voice? Like it misguided Saul in the battle can misguide us in the 21st century. George Rodriguez was one of the most notorious bank robbers in the early centuries. And he used to be living in Mexico. His modest operandi was that he would come to Texas, rob the banks, rob the rich, and before the police could catch him, he would get back to Mexico and be in his hiding. The Texas Rangers were very upset with what was happening and they could not bring this man into account and they could not catch him. Every time they want to catch him, he's escaped U.S. and he is in in Mexico. One day, the Texas Rangers felt that they, without any knowledge, without anybody's knowledge, illegally, we should get into Texas or uh, Mexico and try to find this man and arrest him. So they went illegally into Mexico and finally, taking all the leads, they found uh, George Rodriguez in a bar, about to drink, take a sip. Oh, they were so excited. They took all their guns and they pointed to George Rodriguez. And he said, surrender. And he knelt down and he surrendered in front of them. But there was a problem. The Texas Rangers knew only English. And George Rodriguez knew only Spanish. They could not communicate. So they called the bartender to communicate the message. And they told the bartender that this guy is guilty of looting a lot of rich people and banks in Texas. So he needs to tell us where he has kept the loot of his uh, burglary. Otherwise, we're going to shoot him point blank. So the bartender translated to uh, George Rodriguez, you know, you have been arrested, you have been zeroed in, and now they know that you have looted their banks. They want to know where you have kept the loot. Otherwise, they will kill you point blank and you're going to die. George Rodriguez was shivering in fear. He never thought that they would come and catch him in Mexico. And he said, my loot, if you go to so-and-so street, there is a well. You get down into that well on the 17th stone. You remove that stone and behind that stone, I have kept all the loot. The bartender was very smart. He got up, he turned to the Texas Rangers and he said, George Rodriguez is a brave man. He doesn't want to die. You can shoot him, but he will still not tell you where the loot is. Many times when we hear the wrong voices, we don't get the right message. We are misguided by the voices of the world. The question the Spirit of God is asking us this morning is whose voice are you listening? Which voice are you hearing on a regular basis? Whose voice are you listening to? the voice of god or the voice of oxen and sheep the voice of the world the voice of the world discourages us the voice of the world brings fear and doubt in us the voice of the world tempts us to indulge in sinful pleasures the voice of the world invites us to take part of worldly pleasures and passions The voice of the world beacons us to inflate our pride and our ego and our self in this world. What voices are we listening to? What are the kind of things that we are listening to? What then is the voice of the sheep and the cattle that I'm listening? Samuel asks Saul. Now you may be thinking, why is Samuel acting so innocent? Because the previous day, God spoke to him very clearly that Saul did not obey and God has taken Saul out of being the king. The time is up for Saul. But why does Samuel come to Saul and ask him so innocently as if he does not know anything? Why does he do that? This tells us that it is giving Saul one more chance to repent. One more chance to repent. God is gracious. We may have sinned, fallen flat many times in our faces, but God does not write us off immediately. God did not write off the Amalekites for many centuries after attacking the Israelites. He waited until their rebellion became so wicked, God said, finish them off. And here, God did not write off Saul. He's giving him one more chance to repent And he's giving him an opportunity to come clean. But will Saul take the chance? Come to verse 15. Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Did he take the blame? Did he say, Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Samuel. I'm sorry. This is my mistake. No. What did Saul do? He blamed the soldiers. This is exactly what Adam did in the garden of Eden. Lord, I didn't sin. This woman whom you have given me led me to sin. And what did the woman do? Lord, it's not my problem. The serpent led me to sin. This is the mentality of human beings. We don't take responsibility for our sin and our action. And we pass the buck and this is exactly what Aaron did. Remember Moses went to the mountain uh, to offer sacrifice, to, uh, to, to, re- to receive the 10 commandments and spend time with God. And as he was coming with the 10 commandments, he saw Aaron and the people worshiping a molten calf. Moses was very angry. Like Samuel was angry at Saul. And he asked Aaron, what have you done? You know what did Aaron say? Moses, I'm not guilty. These people asked for a God. And I asked them to put all the jewelry into the furnace and out came the molten calf, passing the buck. And Saul, instead of asking for repentance and forgiveness, he passed the buck on to the soldiers. And he said, utterly destroyed. I utterly destroyed everything, but not spared. The people did not spare Agag and the cattle. Utterly destroyed means utterly destroyed, not partially destroyed. Obedience to God is complete obedience, not partial obedience. Dear friends, we are all good at obeying obeying God. But many times the problem is, it's partial obedience. There are certain areas in our life, we know that is not right. And conveniently, we are very close towards it. Loving your wife, providing for your family, lustful sins, obeying the rules of the government, There are a whole lot of things that we are subjected to when we become a child of God. Conveniently, we choose which to obey and which not to obey. But we give a clear definition. Lord, the people have spared the cattle, but I have destroyed the rest of the things. We come up with our own definitions of what is obedience. We play around with God. I remember a time when I went to Velu uh, uh, in a CSI church uh, to attend one wedding, I was speaking in that wedding and I was in that CSI church stage and the CSI priest was there, pastor and the people. I preached the message and uh, then it was a time for the solemnization, a real story, okay? And uh, the pastor called for the, uh, the boys and the girls' families to come and give the rings and the, they came and kept the ring in the Bible, And the pastor said, let's all close our eyes and pray for the ring before they exchange the ring. So we all prayed. I was there next to him and we all prayed. By the time we finished the prayer and opened our eyes, there is no ring in the Bible. We all got so panicked. Come on, it's marriage and where is the ring gone? Without ring, there is no wedding for them, right? So we all started panicking. I started searching the pulpit all around. We two pastors are there. And the pastor finally asked the boys and the girls family, did you really put the ring over here? And the father doubted the mother. Said, did you take the ring from the house? A big commotion is happening and the boy and the girl are confused. We do not know what to do. After about five minutes of confusion, one of the assistant pastors, he was smart. He came and opened the carpet. They had thick carpets on the stage. And there was a curve in between. Open both the carpets together. The ring Supposedly when the pastor was praying, uh, the Bible tilted, the rings went down, rolled and went in between the carpets. We could not see. After on five to eight minutes, we took the ring and then we were all at peace, right? And then as he was ministering, he said, the ring was not missing, nor the ring was stolen. We just did not know where the ring was. So was the pastor right? Yes. What is fully right? No. Many times, we are like that with God. He did it in a lighter note. The pastor did it in a lighter note. But many times, Saul said, Lord, I have obeyed the Lord. It is those people who have come and taken the sheep, but we have destroyed everything completely. Look at what Samuel said, verse 17 to 19. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you on a mission saying go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the sight of the Lord? One more chance to Saul to recorrect his statement and confess his sins. And what did Saul say? was? 20 to 21, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said, second time. Knowing that he is in sin, he is telling the second time very boldly, I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission, the Lord assigned me. Look at this vocabulary, all Christian vocabulary. I completely destroyed the Malachites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. And the best of what was devoted to God. Why? In order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. He is never accepting his mistake and he's making excuses for what has happened. Excuses will not take away God's punishments. We need to take responsibility for the sins that we have done and the shortcomings of the life. God said, Enough is enough. Samuel comes up with a profound statement in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 to 23. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? When you disobey the Lord and bring your sacrifices of praise and worship and your tithings and everything, it adds one sin to the next sin. Here Saul went from hypocrisy to disobedience. And God does not believe in that. There is a place for sacrifice in the Old Testament, but sacrifice is not the primary concern. God is concerned with our obedience. Verse 23, look at how Samuel connects disobedience to: For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. What is disobedience in the sight of God? It is like rebellion, it is divination, it is insubordination, Iniquity and idolatry in the sight of God. God sees it very seriously. Dear friends, let me ask you, is there any area of disobedience in our lives? You can introspect your own lives. Am I living in disobedience to God? Maybe you're doing ministry. Maybe you're involved in the church work or outside. Maybe you are seriously living a Christian life. But can you introspect with the light of the gospel is there any area of disobedience in your life? How are you in your private times? How are you with your friends? How are you in your home? How are you in obeying the government and the rules of the government, the income tax, the rules of the government, obeying the traffic signals? A recent survey revealed that 60% of the world working force have called sick when they are not sick. Sick leave when they are not sick, not for the child of God. Another 60% have taken office supplies from work for personal use, not for a child of God. 40% have illegally downloaded Christian music. 70% have knowingly broken the speed limit and cut traffic signals. When I see those Jesus stickers on the cars and sp- going past the red signal, it really burdens me. Sometimes when I see rough riding around me, honking and rough riding, and I look around them, they have the Jesus sticker over there. And it really shocks me. We as Christians, we are to be obeying and obeying rules. Not only the biblical rules, but the rules of the government. When we cut on our income tax, do you know that there are Christians who alter the meter? I do not know presently with the electronic uh, meter. But then the current meter, how much ever we consume the current pastor, they will not come beyond 400. Why? Because dad had done something with the meter. Believers, who have one connection of the Kaveri BWSSB into the sum tank, and in order to cut costs, there is another illegal connection. How much about water they want, they can take. What kind of faith is that? It is only a lip service. Cut on income tax. Our faith has to be reflecting in the way we live and obedience in every area of our lives. I do not know what sin you are towing with. It may be in your personal life. It may be in your family. You may not be submitting to your husband, submitting to your wife. You may not be leading your family in godly ways. There is a whole lot of responsibility for families. Husbands, you are the spiritual head of the house. You have responsibility to love your wife just like Christ's life love the church. Even though she is not right, even though she is faulty, we are called to love unconditionally. There's a greater mandate on the men. Don't think that we have been made the head of the house to rule, but it is to serve the family. So where are we missing the mark in obeying God? 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 23, Disaster strikes to Saul. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you. As king. Saul is rejected. God rejects Saul as the king of Israel. What does that tell us? Disobedience can deprive us of the special privilege granted by God. Right? We all have been privileged by God with the gifts, with our jobs, with our families, with the position that God has given us in the society. Look at what happened to Saul. Disobedience can deprive one of the special privilege granted by God. Sin results in disaster, loss of respect, loss of your ministry, loss of your witness to others, loss of peace, loss of fulfillment, grief all around your family and that's what sin always does, results in disaster, extinguished out of human prominence. While Samuel was a light in a dark world, Saul is diminishing as a light in a dark world. I pray that as I'm preaching this message, this will not be my story. This will not be your story. That Saul's story will not be our story. That God brings somebody to prominence. And when we come to prominence, we do the work of God. We enjoy the blessings of God. That we will not forget God and be proud and sin against God so that we lose everything. And God... It is regretful and remorseful that he has blessed us. Verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. After everything is over, he's now come back to his senses. It's too late. His time is up. God already said it's time. But given chances, he never repented. Now he's telling, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Why did he do that? I was afraid of the men. Now I beg you, forgive my sin. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. So what was the problem with Saul? You saw the Amalekites in, they were the ones who had no fear of the Lord. And they had grown in that no fear of the Lord into wicked nation by the time you come to the time of Saul. And Saul equals Amalekites over here. He has become the king of God's people but his heart had become like the Amalekites. He operated with no fear of the Lord and with that he went on to become like the wicked Amalekites. If God is taking and wiping out the wicked Amalekites, God is faithful, he will wipe out the wicked Saul as well. He was a man with pride, ego. He feared people, not feared God. He never feared God like the Amalekites. Sad ending of Saul. Chapter 15 and this is verse 35. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. In the ancient days, God used to speak through prophet, through priest. And Samuel was both prophet and priest. And if Samuel had to speak God's word to Saul, either Saul had to come to Samuel or Samuel had to go to Saul. Chapter 15 starts with the word of the voice of the message of the Lord came to Saul. But the 15 ends by telling after that day, Saul never heard from the Lord because he disobeyed God. God stopped speaking, God stopped communicating, and he is living in darkness and rebellion against God. Before I conclude, I want to give you some takeaway points, something that you can ponder on this week. Go home, read this passage, and see how this applies to you. I know I've made you think beyond the text to understand what the whole counsel of the Word of God is. Don't stop here. Go and read that. Refer this message to somebody. Tell, go and tell somebody to listen to this Sunday's message. It will transform us. And these are the lessons. The Lord places, number one, greater priority on obedience than he does for religious formalism. The Lord places greater priority for obedience than he does for religious formalism. Not that the religiosity is not important. It's important. But the greater priority is for obedience. Number two, sin is evil in the sight of God, in the eyes of God. Sin, whatever it be, it may be disobeying the government or not paying your taxes. It may be, looking at something which is unholy or it may be whatever it is. It may be greed or covetousness and jealousy, gossip, whatever it is. It is evil in the sight of God. Rituals are worthless if we are disobedient. Pastor, I'm praying for five hours a day. How is your life, brother? Does your five hours, your prayer reflect how you live with other people? Rituals are worthless if we are disobedient. The next one. Disobedience can deprive one of the special privilege granted by God. It's a caution. God has blessed us. Let us not throw it all. Count that anointing worthy. And let us pray. Work with God in holiness to keep that anointing in your life. Amen. It comes with a holy lifestyle. It comes by listening to the voice of God. Let us grow in that, not throw it away. Finally, what pleases God is obedience. Let me close by giving you an illustration. For years, Sally was the family pet. For years, Sally was the family pet of the Romero family. When they first got her some several years ago, she was only one foot long. But Sally eventually grew and she reached 11 and a half foot long and weighed over 80 pounds, over 45 kgs. On a July day in 1993, Sally, a Burmese python, turned on the 15-year-old son of the house, Derek Redmond, strangled the teenager to death And it died of suffocation. 15 years of Sally. After 15 years, the python showed its true color. Sin is like that in our lives. For some time, it may feel that it is harmless. Things are fine. I can get away with it. I can find my way. I have the vocabulary. I come to church. Things are fine. But sin will get back at us. The Bible says... The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. There is only one person without sin. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Who came for the remission of man's sin. Nobody is perfect here. But he died in our place. He took our sins. And if you confess with your mouth, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If a man says he's not a sinner, he's lying before God. We all have our own challenges, greed, jealousy, lust, passion, desires which are sinful. Can you tell God, let it not be a hindrance against you. Enable me to overcome. Let me hear the sweet voice of the Holy Spirit, not the voices of the world not the voices of internet.